Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture Podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. Hey, man, it's good to be here. I'm excited about the episode today. And uh, there's a part of me that, uh, even though we don't really have the capability to do this, there's still a part of me that kind of wants us to... uh, have this in video format because if our listeners could see the shirt that you wore during your interview uh, with our guest today, they would crack up. I love it. It was uh, was it, was it purple? It was a purple shirt, I think. It, it was and gray. It was gray. It was, it was gray. Okay. What yeah. was I? Th- Maybe the the wording was purple. I'm not sure, but it said, "I lost my receipts, but not my salvation." <laughs> Yes. And it's, I actually saw that shirt on uh, Download Youth Ministry. This was months ago. This was maybe a year ago. And when I saw that shirt, I got to get it because my secretary would have a heyday with that because I'm always getting in trouble uh, for losing receipts. Yeah. And that's not, uh, that's not just a youth ministry issue. I I know several uh, senior pastors out there that have issues with wandering receipts as well. <laughs> yes, but I have found a system that works. I've been using that last couple of years to kept me from losing receipts. Maybe one day I'll share that on the podcast. Uh, but I, yeah, I always used to struggle with that. And, and again, when I saw that shirt, I said, I have to get it because it matches my problems of being organized very well. I hear you, man. Maybe we'll do an episode on productivity hacks or something like that someday. Absolutely. and. Now, this week's episode, I do want to give a shout out. We actually was um, something that one of our listeners uh, was asking for, something that's been very relevant for stuff that's been going on just recently, and that is how to uh, keep yourself safe uh, and messing up morally, specifically when it comes to sexual misconduct. and we kind of the person we're going to be interviewing today is his name is Ted Shimmer, and he actually wrote a, wrote a book called Freedom Fight, uh, was specifically talking about per, this issue of pornography. But one of the conversations that I had with Ted was how pornography is is pretty much the underlayer of of people messing up sexually uh, when it comes to. Uh, either premarital sex when it comes to things like rape and other things like that. Usually, typically, the underlayer factor is uh, porn addiction. I kind of had an opportunity to talk with Ted about that issue. Yeah, that's good because as much as we don't like talking about this this particular area, um, we all know, uh, especially lately, uh, there are uh, Christian leaders dropping like flies uh, to this particular area. And so, uh, instead of hiding it or uh, ignoring it, I think it's good to talk about it to the point where we can normalize a conversation and, and get people help instead of, uh, continuing to just brush it under the rug. So I'm really excited uh, about this conversation today. 
Well, guys, stay tuned as we talk with Ted Shimmer. Well, guys, I am super excited uh, about who we're talking about today because we're going to be talking about a subject that uh, we mentioned a lot on this podcast, and we've been interviewing different guests specifically around this topic. Um, But I'm glad to be talking with uh, Ted Shimmer, specifically on this area of pornography, uh, and we're going to be speaking into this problem when it comes to church leaders. Um, Because when we look at pornography as a whole, we look at sexual addiction as a whole in the porn industry, there's not much difference in some ways when it comes to addictions between pastors and regular uh, church goers and lay people. So Ted, how about you introduce yourself a little bit, your story and your journey in ministry and what you're currently doing today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ryan, thanks for having me, man. I've been looking forward to, to this time together. So my my wife and I met in college when we were both involved in a uh, college ministry, discipleship ministry, and we went on staff for that ministry. We're, we're currently still on staff uh, to disciple college students. And so that was in 1991. And, you know, nobody goes into the ministry, you know, hoping to become the porn guy, you know. And so the the whole reason we got into it is in the early to mid 2000s uh myself and our staff men just started noticing the steady uptick in the number of our student leaders who were struggling with the pornography addiction so much so that in 07 we identified pornography as the biggest obstacle to us fulfilling our mission of building spiritual leaders for Christ because more and more students were being declined from leadership. Um, and, you know, we had a, you know, a commitment of, hey, a person had to have, you know, 12 months of sobriety from not looking at porn. And man, just so many students were, were struggling. They hated their sin. They wanted free, but they couldn't find freedom. And so that was in 07. And that's when we, we kind of started our deep dive into this topic um, and so I started reading everything I could, you know, get my hands on. We started having our staff men go through a porn addiction recovery program, not because they themselves were struggling, but so that we could be better equipped in helping students find freedom as we were discipling them. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting because that was in 07, which also happened to be the same year the iPhone came out. And so what we thought was a dire situation then was about to get dramatically worse. Um, And so through the years, you know, our staff, we've been through over 20 different porn addiction recovery programs and, you know, just pulled out the principles that are biblical, that are scientifically informed, bringing in the brain science piece. And I got, you know, professionally trained in this area. And then in 20... 15, we started, you know, we really felt like, hey, let's let's put these principles that we're using and man, we're seeing students find freedom. And, you know, we were just seeing incredible results because it's not just a, a problem to deal with, but it's actually an opportunity for deep discipleship. And so we were seeing these students 
that were walking in freedom. And man, just the excitement for the king and his kingdom was at a whole new level. And, and, uh, and so in 2015, we started putting this in a user-friendly format. And that's when I created the Freedom Fight, which is our uh, free online porn addiction recovery program. Um, and, you know, just we wanted to start making it available to others. And, you know, the Lord's really, you know, blessed it since then. So that's really, you know, kind of my story, you know, how I, I got to this point of, you know, becoming an expert in this area. Uh, of course, you you just recently uh, uh, wrote a new uh, wrote a book uh, called The Freedom Fight. And of course, we know a little bit what led up to it. But can you explain uh, maybe or what led up to writing it and what this book is all about? Yeah. And, you know, when we we started seeing, man, the results from people finding freedom, you know, going through our program, we also started realizing as we were getting out there, you know, talking to people that um, a lot of people just don't understand, you know, those of us who work with college students or youth, man, we see it before everybody else does this particular thing, because, you know, these are the students that come to campus that man have these, these deep addictions. So every year we see a new group of freshmen that are coming to campus and the addictions every year get deeper and deeper. And so when these students come to Christ, they start growing in their faith. All of a sudden they share the secret that they've had since seventh grade that they've never told anybody about. And it's a, so often a, a pornography addiction. And so, but it's a, at a massive level in both breadth and depth. And so part of, you know, part of the reason for the, for the book, the first third of the book, is basically edging, keep educating people on the pervasiveness and destructiveness of porn and how it impacts a person's brain, their relationships, their spiritual life, how it's impacting the church, marriages. But then the second two thirds of the book, we unpack principles of recovery that address the six roots of a pornography addiction. And so it's really you know, designed for both the person who wants to be equipped so they can help others, but also for the person struggling. Um, and so, yeah, that's, so we released the book in, uh, in November. Yeah. One thing that, uh, I kind of want to pick your brain a little bit as well as we know porn is very prevalent among students, among generation Z, um, millennials, pretty much across multi-generational, um, and of course, many times in this podcast, um, I've mentioned that uh, my theory, which has been, uh, there's evidence backing this up, that the reason why porn is so prevalent in our culture today compared to what it was uh, in the uh, late, uh, early 2000s and before is the invention of a smartphone. And one thing I tell parents all the time is that when, when you give your kid a smartphone, and you don't understand it, you don't have parental controls on it, you don't have different things like that, you don't understand it, you're basically even giving a kid an, an X-rated movie and say, here, don't watch it, don't, don't, don't watch junk, here you go. And it just doesn't work that, doesn't translate that way. So I tell my students all the time, if I had a smartphone at your age, I would not be where I am today. Because a part of my story is I got a, was introduced to pornography very early, uh, roughly about uh, nine to 10 years old. Uh, again, back then, it, there wasn't such thing as, uh, as internet that early on. 
Um, if there, basically there wasn't, there was dial up by the time I was in middle school. Uh, there was, so basically if you, if you want to look up porn, you had to go out of your way to find it. Um, it wasn't like it is, is today. So I tell my students all the time that if I had access to, to what you have, I would not be where I am today. And that kind of leads to the next mm-hmm. thing I want to ask is, is why do you think porn specifically when it comes to church leaders, why do you think it's so prevalent? Yeah. And I think that's such a, that's such an important point because, um, man, you know, it says there's a sad reality in the church that, man, it's capturing the hearts and minds of so many students. And as you said, so many parents are unaware, you know, I was talking to, you know, two parents in the last two weeks, found out their 10-year-old daughter was addicted to porn and had been for 10 months, you know, just watching a massive amount of hardcore porn. And, you know, the parent was just, you know, dumbfounded. You know, another parent with 11-year-old sons, like, man, he watched two to three hours of porn as an 11-year-old. And man, as a 17-year-old, he's still addicted. And man, it has its its roots in deep. And, and yet, uh, it's such a massive issue and yet so few of our spiritual leaders are talking about it or providing solutions. And one of the reasons for that, Ryan, is so many of our church leaders are struggling themselves. Now, I, I have a chapter in my book called Pastors and Porn um, that you know, talks about this because it's a, you know, it's a challenging issue. And I refer to two different studies given in that, um, in that chapter that put the use among pastors at 50% or more that struggle with porn that admit to it. Um, and if you think about, man, the, the different factors and the younger a pastor is, the more likely he struggles with porn. Because again, just like you said, if, you know, if I had grown up with an iPhone, there's a hundred percent chance I would have been addicted to porn. And that would have changed so many, you know, factors. And so my heart goes out to these, you know, students. And so you think about, you know, and, and there's a, you know, you think about the student that man gets addicted at 13 or 14, and then, hey, he goes into campus or, you know, church ministry. And yet the church doesn't deal with this. There's a punitive culture in the church. So a lot of these pastors think, man, if I, if I tell people what I struggle with, I may lose my job. Uh, and so as a result, so many pastors don't feel the freedom to repent. And so therefore their students, you know, they're, they're not really interacting on this topic, um, you know, at, a, at an appropriate level because they themselves, you know, struggle to a degree. And I would say this, that, you know, the issue, the shame factor makes it an, uh, a difficult issue to, to address effectively. You know, I was talking to a, or I was sat into a, a sermon not long ago and the pastor gave a great message about sexual immorality, which is in the Greek, of course, is the word pornea. And he talked about, hey, porn, if you, if you struggle with this, we have some groups that can help. And so if you want to sign up for one of those groups, we have a booth in the back. It's like, you know, how many people do you think went to the booth in the back? <laughs> no one. And, you know, and so a lot of times pastors can think, well, hey, man, no one's coming for help. So I guess everybody's okay. You know, uh, 
And yet the fact is, you know, shame is one of the things that keep people in the shadows in particular, you know, there's, there's shame in any addiction, but particularly for the Christian who struggles with a porn or sex addiction. And then if you're a spiritual leader and you struggle, man, the shame even goes to a whole new level. And so, man, the enemy uses that to keep people in the shadows, just thinking, hey, I'm just going to have private confession with God and private repentance. And I just got to figure out how to get through this on my own. And yet, man, when the enemy has a person in that place, you know, he's, he's wreaking havoc because he's keeping them in the shadows and, you know, he's keeping their flock from really getting help. No, I, no, I absolutely agree. One thing that um, I think the church does a better job now when it comes to addressing those with a porn addiction that are, are church members who are attending your church, but we don't, I don't think, handle it well uh, when, it, when it comes to church leaders who may have, who have failed uh, in that respect. I, th- I think we're, we, we don't show as much grace and mercy and, and trying to restoring pastors. Because again, we, we put pastors on a pedestal and church leaders on a pedestal um, and thinking that they, they don't struggle with these issues, that they're some um, kind of higher power morally, uh, when in reality, they're just as sinful and as broken as anybody else. Just their calling is different, but they're still broken people like anybody else. And I feel like the church at large has not done a great job of giving church leaders the freedom to express uh, this particular problem in their lives and be able to work that out with the church community. Uh, what is your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I agree. And, you know, and I talk about this in, in my, you know, you know, chapter for, for pastors, pastors and porn that, you know, they've done surveys and that the majority of churchgoers say they, they think their pastor should resign if he admits to struggling with porn, which is, that's a huge, that's a huge problem uh, because of just the things you mentioned um, that, you know, and it's interesting because uh, it was almost 50% said they believe that, uh, but only like 8% of pastors said they thought a pastor should resign if he, you know, admits to that. Um, and it was interesting. And I, you know, I quote John Piper who I have a ton of respect for, but, you know, he said he thought that the 43% was appallingly low. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, that mentality, man, keeps so many people in the shadow. So as an example, I had a buddy that told me his pastor stood up at a church in the Dallas area and said, hey, if I ever look at porn, I'm resigning. And, and some of the, the older members of the church kind of applauded like, yeah, you know, what a great standard. But what about the... 25-year-old youth pastor who's been struggling since he was 15, and he was thinking about confessing to his pastor to get help, but now what's he going to do? He's for sure not going to confess to his pastor. And so, and that's the dynamic that is in the church, and that's why one of my friends who actually lost his, his, he was a former, he was a former pastor, but he lost his church and lost his marriage and family because of his porn addiction. 
And he calls pornography Satan's masterpiece because, man, it's capturing the hearts and minds of the next generation. And yet the spiritual leaders in the church aren't touching it, you know, and they're, they're struggling. And because there's this dysfunctional dynamic that, Hey, we've got to have these, you know, these, uh, you know, leadership standards have to be maintained, but really what we're doing is creating this fantasy world because, you know, half of our pastors are struggling. And because we say we're going to, we're keeping this standard, really our standard is down here in our, in our, and our pastors don't feel the freedom to repent. And so really creating a restorative culture, which is what you know, Galatians 6.1 says, that if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. The goal is restoration. And so one of the things that we help churches do is adopt and we've worked with you know another ministry that's really helped a lot of denominations and churches with this is adopt a restorative culture that basically says this and i have it in the book word for word but if you haven't done something illegal or with another person you can confess your struggle with porn and get help and the goal is restoration Without you know, and so it's important to have that because once again, if it's not defined, most people you know believe that hey, I'm whether it's you know true or not in that particular church that hey, I I've got to stay in the shadows, I I can't afford to do this, and so it's really a dysfunctional dynamic that the enemy is using, you know, to keep so many leaders in the shadows. So therefore they're not addressing this issue with effective solutions for the flock. Um, and man, the enemy is having a heyday. Yeah. This, uh, based off of, uh, research I've done and myself and, and again, some people may not agree with this, uh, but I really believe that porn is a springboard uh, to more harsher sexual sin. So in, in my opinion, if you, if you create an environment in our church, particularly church leaders, to where there is not an opportunity uh, to confess uh, to uh, restoration and they have to, again, hide in the shadows with this struggle, it can, it can create a springboard to things, in my, in my opinion, based on things I'm seeing and research I'm seeing as well, um, to things like uh, premarital sex, it can, it can affairs, it can be a springboard to even rape, uh, other things as well, and to harsher, more dangerous sexual sin in the life of a church leader. And of course, we're just seeing some things that are popping out in the last few years with different church leaders in this area, uh, failing in this area, and one just recently um, with Robbie Zacharias. I don't know all the details. don't know what's true, what's not, but there's some things that are coming out that seem pretty severe. Uh, and that realm, but and, and when you look at all these things that are considered sexual, major sexual sin, uh, who are basically crimes, typically the underlying thing under all that is a porn addiction. Yes, and absolutely. Why, and that's why a lot of I think of the churches at large when it when it comes to church leaders that it, it, if you if we don't have an environment in our churches to where we're restoring pastors as much as we're restoring 
uh, church members, people in the church and the flock. Um, it, I, to me, it's a dangerous, it creates a dangerous environment for leaders to fail. Man, and, and that's so true, Ryan. And I actually, um, I share this story in my book to your point exactly, that if the church doesn't address this issue, it's having a much bigger impact than we think. Two years ago, the Houston Chronicle had a, uh, the headline story was over a hundred Baptist youth pastors are convicted of sex crimes. And if you read the stories, it's basically mostly youth pastors who have an uh, you know, inappropriate sexual relationship with a member of their youth group or, you know, pastor. And, you know, guy, you know, people don't wake up one day and say, hey, I want to be a pedophile. And yet what you said is so true that because when a person has a porn addiction and most people don't realize this, it's like you reach a point of tolerance, just like with any other addictive substance. But with alcohol or drugs, you need more of that substance. With porn, you don't just need more, you need different. And so often it's more um, forbidden, more taboo, more risky. And so when a person starts chasing that dopamine high, they begin doing things, watching things they never thought they would watch, but then ultimately doing things they never thought they would do. And that's why, you know, it's it's easy to look at, you know, hey, the Catholic Church never addressed their pedophile priest problem. And man, it brought great shame to the name of Christ. Well, every church has a porn problem. And man, if the church doesn't address this issue, just think about how much shame that is bringing to the name of Christ that, hey, 100 youth pastors, you know, convicted for for sin or, you know, the the Robbie Zacharias story and just those kinds of things. Those kinds of things are going to be coming out in an even more massive amount. And, you know, the, the first chapter of my book is a tsunami is coming. And it's like, if we think it's bad now, and this generation that's been raised on so much more porn than any generation we've ever seen, when they come of age, just the the sexual dysfunction, the crime, you know, just all of those things are, are coming in a massive amount, uh, you know, the impact on marriages. And yet, you know, the church isn't addressing the issue. And so it's like, man, we gotta, we have to wake up because if we don't, man, the name of Christ is being drugged through the mud uh, because the church needs to wake up. We all have Every church has a pornography problem that has to be addressed. Uh, and absolutely. That's one of the, and again, this is a separate topic, but it's still linked in, in some ways that that's the reason why I have an issue when it comes to the celebrity pastor mentality or celebrity church leader mentality, because uh, again, like I said before, they're, they're also broken people. So if you elevate people to a certain level, it does major damage to the church at large. And of course, like, just recent with the Robbie Zacharias situation as well. So there's one thing I, I want to I want to ask as well. Of course, we're talking about pornography. We're talking about specifically church leaders. How this is a very much a prevalent problem uh, within our church, American church culture, or Western 
church culture at large. So what, what are some strategies for youth pastors, youth leaders who may be struggling with this, with, with this aspect of pornography and feeling like they don't have the ability to, to confess, uh, they feel trapped uh, for various reasons that we just talked about. What are some strategies to find freedom in this area? Yeah. Well, and, you know, kind of in a, on a, on a bigger stage, you know, I try to put myself, man, in the, you know, the shoes of the 25 year old youth pastor who was addicted to porn when I was 15. And man, now I'm in this church culture that, and I don't feel the freedom. Um, you know, and part of the reason that I wrote the book was to help the church have a holistic perspective of this topic. You know, one that, you know, this is something that a lot of pastors are giving to their elder board or lay people are giving to their elder board and to their pastors to educate because understanding the addictive nature and how porn impacts the brain and locks people into bondage, um, it doesn't excuse people's sin because people still have to take responsibility for their sin and repent. But what it does do is it gives people an understanding at how a person, an otherwise godly person who loves God and hates their sin can keep going back to it because, you know, and it can be very de-shaming for the person who struggles, you know, the person in your audience who has made a commitment to God, made a commitment to themselves, to their wife, that they're going to quit. And yet they keep going back to it. We must understand the holistic approach because one of the things that, you know, it's so important is when we have a shallow understanding of, of the issue, then we have a shallow application of God's truth. And, you know, and I think, a you know, an important verse on this topic is Jeremiah 614, when God was rebuking his spiritual leaders. And he says, they have healed the brokenness of my people superficially saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. But that's such a great, you know, passage for us to understand because, you know, when we just deal with this issue superficially, um, man, we're, we're not getting to the root causes. And when that happens, it, you know, man, it just causes, you know, so many issues. And so to your question, the strategy, I think, you know, again, that's part of the reason that I wrote my book was to help people, one, to understand and appreciate the magnitude of the issue, to consider changing, hey, let's adopt this restorative culture among our leadership. And so I think there's an educational part of it that goes to, you know, helping the church and their leadership understand, uh, but then also understanding the need for a holistic approach to really getting at the root issues in, uh, in the causes, you know, of the, of the struggle. Yeah. One thing that, um, uh, that, cause again, I, I, I have, I've talked about this on this podcast before that I have, I was exposed very early in my childhood pornography, uh, was addicted to pornography, uh, very heavily up to third until I was age 13 to struggle it off and on. Uh, that point uh, up until college, but one one thing that that I have learned um, over the years is is um, is not having freedom 
actually produces freedom. And what I mean by that is, is I, I'm, even to this day, my wife, I have uh, printer controls on my, on all my devices. Um, I have a, a accountability software called Covenize where my wife gets a report and knows exactly where I've been and all my devices. I don't have the passwords and nothing to, uh, to any of our streaming services. My wife handles all that as well. And people may be hearing that and think that that's pretty, pretty extreme. Uh, but for me, it's not because I know just like any other addiction, whether it's alcohol, alcoholism, uh, any drugs, if you're exposed once, it's very easy to get back in, into it again. So I take a, very drastic measures to protect my mind and my heart. Now, it doesn't mean I have, don't have temptations. No, yes, I have temptations just like any other guy um, or anybody who's ever struggled in that area. But the difference is I'm willing to give up certain things so I can have freedom. Um, another thing that um, I just would encourage those as well, those who are listening, is be careful what you're consuming uh, for as media and other things as well. There's been things like uh, movies is particularly, we like to justify movies and TV shows. And I've, those of you who are listening may be a little bit upset if I mention one, but I'm going to mention anyway. <laughs> Uh, like Game of Thrones, okay? It's it's a very, for people my age, millennials and younger, it's a very popular TV show. Uh, but there was also another article that came out, this was a few years ago, saying that, as a guy who struggled with porn, from a porn addiction, he said, would rather watch Game of Thrones than watch porn on the internet, because he can see just as what he needs to see on Game of Thrones when it comes to pornography. Um, and it's just different, just be very careful what you consume because what you consume comes out in your life one form or fashion. Yeah. And that, you know, and that's so true. And, you know, when Jesus, you know, when Jesus told us that lusting after a woman was like committing adultery with her in your heart, immediately after he said that, he said, if your right eye causes you to stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. If your right hand causes you some, cut it off and throw it from you. And so, but just to your point about getting radical related, you know, to this topic, um, you know, is important. And cause you know, the, the first and most obvious root of addiction is the sexualized society and it's all around us, access is all around us. And so the area that a person has to grow in is personal holiness. And, you know, holiness doesn't mean perfection. It, it means to separate, to separate ourselves away from sin. And so that's where we teach people, hey, you need to know your triggers because then you need to build some boundaries, you know, for your triggers so that, and you can keep those from, you know, triggering you. And, you know, there's, you know, emotional triggers, sexual triggers, you know, and different, you know, things that a person, you know, has to, you know, recognize and man, build some boundaries, just like you said. And, but at the same time, it's important for a person to grow in their appreciation for pursuing holiness because holiness isn't just, oh, this list of boring rules, but it's pursuing God's best. And it's, man, as I pursue holiness, I'm, I'm pursuing a more intimate walk with Christ. And, and so, you know, really having that that perspective, I think, you know, gives fuel, you know, to be able to follow through with those, you know, those different aspects that you were talking about. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that is so true that, um, and this is something that I teach even my students. I, I know they're, they're, I say it all the time, and I know that they 
get tired of me saying it, but your, your relationship with God, if that is not a priority, if, it affects everything else. Um, so you, you're exactly right. You can have all the, the boundaries, these things set up, but if you're not pursuing God constantly and your walk with him, all that means nothing because uh, it's not going to work. Um, yeah. So I, so, I, so I absolutely agree. You've you got to, to strive to have a relationship with God. And it's actually, this is a problem, uh, in my opinion, from, from my, my experience, this is a problem particularly for, for youth pastors, youth leaders, because uh, I've had opportunity to do some soul care uh, with, with pastors. And, and one of the first things I ask is, how is your time with God? Are you spending time developing a relationship with God? And literally nine out of 10 times, typically the answer is no. Uh, while you can't, if you can't grow in your faith and your personal holiness, if you're not spending time with him. Well, and, you know, and to that point, and I think this is an important uh, point for us to realize related to pornography is that in first uh, Peter two eleven says beloved as aliens and strangers abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. And so if you think about how God, displays and, and describes fleshly lusts impact like fleshly lust, like pornography and how it impacts a person. It says it wages war against the soul. And, you know, it's been interesting that there's been some significant research in this area showing how the impact of pornography on a person's religious commitments. There's a professor out of OU that's done some peer reviewed research, six uh, of a six-year study of 3,000 people and the impact of porn. And one of the, the things that he concluded was that any porn use is related to declines in religious commitments, going to church, prayer, spiritual disciplines, and an increase in religious doubts. So think about it. If you wanted Christians, including youth pastors to be less committed to spending time with God, reading their Bible and praying, and you wanted them to doubt more, just get them to watch porn. And so most people don't realize that, but it's like, if we're feeding our mind this, you know, it says in Galatians six, you know, seven, that we reap what we sow. Those who sow to the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. It's man, our when we feed our flesh pornography, our appetite for God and his word shrink. And you know, we have peer-reviewed research that shows that's exactly what happens. And so to your point, um, man, we have an enemy that is capturing the hearts and minds, but in the process, man, he's causing our appetite for God and his word to shrink. And man, that's a that's a brutal combination because it's like man our heart our soul man is being waged war against because of this fleshly lust just like first peter you know talks about absolutely uh well ted as we wrap up if somebody wants to get connected with you either to talk to you more specifically about this topic or get connected with your book what's the best uh way to get connected with you yeah, so our, our free online porn addiction recovery program is at thefreedomfight.org, thefreedomfight.org. Um, and so 
again, I would I would encourage you to go and, and check that out. You can find our book there. Our book is also on Amazon and Audible and Kindle formats as well. Um, and I would say, you know, something, you know, by way of encouragement that we also have a, you know, our program is a six month online porn addiction recovery program. It's, it's video based. A person watches or a group watches, you know, two to three videos each week processing the principles of recovery. Uh, somebody can go through it individually early on. We'll coach you up on how to get an accountability partner. But we also created this past year a 30 day challenge, which is, you know, we have, uh, you know, a number of our videos within that, but it's an email based program. You sign up and each day you get, you know, 10 minutes or less of content that addresses this issue just to begin helping you understand, you know, hey, the brain science piece, hey, the spiritual warfare piece what I can begin doing. And it's a it's an easy thing for youth pastors to go through with, hey, they're volunteer leaders. And that's one of the things that we've seen people do, Ryan, is beginning with their volunteer leaders. It's like, hey, let's us grow in this area um, and making it an equipping issue instead of a recovery issue. That, hey, this is such a big deal. We need more people who are equipped in this area so that we can better, you know, help our students find freedom. And so, you know, I would encourage you to, you know, hey, gather a group of, of volunteers. And that's what, you know, as we work with different churches, uh, you know, a lot of people have done that, you know, start with a 30 day challenge to, you know, begin processing these different principles. And it's, you know, been an easy way just to, you know, broach the topic with the leaders as a discipleship issue, because a discipleship issue is for everybody. We all need to be equipped versus, oh, if you struggle with this, hey, here's this, you know, here's this program. And so that's an important piece because if it's for everybody, guess what? The person who's struggling and the person who just wants to get equipped will both show up and, you know, they can begin, you know, getting help. Um, and so, yeah, those will be some ways that, you know, they can, you know, connect with us, thefreedomfight.org. Well, Ted, I want to thank you for taking your time out to come on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely, man. Enjoyed it, Ryan. Thanks. Well, guys, I'm really thankful for uh, our conversation today. I know it's it's a hard conversation to have, and probably those of you listening, it's probably a conversation you didn't, may, may not want necessarily listen to because you're struggling in this area uh, of pornography. Uh, it was very prevalent in our culture, is very prevalent in our church, and it's actually, sad to say, prevalent among church leaders. Um, so I would encourage you, if this is something that you struggle with, I would encourage you to, um, to find Freedom Fight, uh, find Ted's organization, that's all that stuff, his resources is, is, he has is free. Um, talk with a close friend, find an accountability partner, someone to keep you accountable in this area. And I want to encourage you as well, if you have a great relationship with your senior leadership and you feel comfortable talking about this, this right here, I would encourage you to do that because the first step of finding freedom is actually talking about it. Yeah. One of my mentors, uh, he was a pastor in he is still a pastor in Lynchburg, uh, the church that Ryan and I attended. 
uh, he has, uh, we, we've been talking a lot lately, especially in light of some of the things that have, uh, have happened in, in our, just in the, in the Christian world um, with leaders failing. And, and one of the things that he has really encouraged me and some of the other guys that he is uh, mentoring is, uh, as we talk with people about this issue, as, as those of us who may struggle with it, um, work through it, is to break the power of the secret. Um, because as long as it stays secret, it's, it's not gonna get any better. Um, and finding someone you can trust to help you process through this, not someone who's going to, you know, kick you while you're down or, um, you know, beat you up over your sin, but someone who's going to stand up and be an ally with you uh, to help you fight. I, I think it's a fantastic idea. So if you guys have been listening uh, for a long time, thank you for a long time listeners, new listeners. Welcome. It's glad to have you. Uh, and if you have not yet, please uh, take a moment, go on Apple Podcast, and leave a star or and or comment review. Uh, we would prefer five stars, but we also like honesty, so that's great too. And uh, um, if you are looking for a way to connect with us, uh, we have a Facebook group now, uh, so you can check us out, Youth and Culture Podcast Facebook group. And uh, you can also interact with some of the other fans there. If you have a question or something that you'd like for us to address on the podcast, uh, like the topic that we addressed today, that came from a fan. So uh, please, uh, I'd encourage you to uh, message us through there or uh, start a conversation in the group. And uh, we would love to connect with you. Well, guys, stay tuned for our next episode.